it, it is important to learn these things though and like to to make your workflow more efficient because then it gets out of the way almost and you're not being held up by yourself you know throughout your process and you can work quickly and get all your ideas out faster so that you don't lose any of them you know essentially or you can get through that shitty ideas phase faster and get to the good stuff Welcome to Design Life, a podcast about design and side projects for motivated creators, like you. My name is Femke. And my name is Charlie, and I like the way you mixed up the intro there, Fem. Thank you, I'm feeling creative today. (laughs) Today, we're going to be talking about your workflow. Well, our workflow and your workflow, as we do on this podcast. We're going to talk about ways to speed it up. I feel like this is something that does happen naturally over time as you become a better designer and you know have been had more experience but there is benefits in speeding up your workflow and having that be more efficient and so we're going to talk today about how that happened for us and some tips and tricks both from us and from our listeners should be good I think how has your week been Fem first of all my week has been hints of spring but still feeling like winter I feel like I saw pictures of snow coming from Amsterdam like last week or something. So that seems crazy to me. (laughs) I don't think we had snow recently, but we have been getting slowly a little bit more sunshine every day. And everyone's kind of like clinging on to this idea of spring hopefully being just around the corner. And so over the weekend, actually, we decided to make the most of the glimpses of sun and we took a fun day on Saturday and we went and explored one of the little islands that's just off the coast of the Netherlands. You can take a little ferry cool. there. Yeah, so that was really fun to just have like a fun exploring day and then balance that out with a sort of work slash get stuff done day on Sunday. So yeah, it was a nice week and a really nice weekend. That's really awesome. I'm so glad to hear you're taking like a fun day and to go out and explore and do those things. Recently, I've been not really working on the weekends, too, and taking it more for relaxation and fun, and I've been really, really enjoying that. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, I don't know. I used to fill my weekends with side projects also because it just felt like wasted time if I didn't, but I don't know. I feel like I've gotten pretty efficient with my working in the mornings now, and especially now that I work from home, I get more done, and so I feel more able to just take the weekends totally off, maybe do like one or two things if they're necessary, like usually um, write the show notes for our podcast. And yeah, that'll that'll be it. And the rest of the time is just relaxation and doing stuff. And I think that's important. I think it's healthy. Yeah, I've been feeling the same, actually, after doing this morning routine thing that I've been doing for almost two years now, I feel like I've got a rhythm and I'm more efficient. So I guess, yeah, that does free me up for the weekend a little bit more to enjoy it. And I also, like, I'm not sure if this is an age thing or whether I just have a really big workload at the moment, but I also find that when it comes to Saturday, like, I really need some time to just rest and chill out. And, like, sleep in. Yeah, and sleep in. Like, usually I'm pretty tired and exhausted from the week I've just had, so it's nice to respect that as well, right? Like, if you need some extra rest, then grant your body that because you'll need it. Yeah, I agree. It's it's important to do that. And we talked about this, was it in our hustle episode about how you just can't go nonstop all the time? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So true. So. And burnout, ugh. 
avoid yeah, burnout. <laughs> exactly. So I'm being really careful of that since I had that happen in last December. So yeah, had been having chilled weekends lately. I have something exciting to share though, is that oh. yesterday I did a weird bit of freelance work for me. It's not the sort of thing I normally do, but um, I was at the London YouTube space presenting a video to go as part of their like online training course about how to use the equipment and stuff in the space. Cool. Was that fun? Yeah, it was really fun and yeah, really odd. I don't know how I felt about it. I think I would only want to do it if I knew the crew. Like the director of this shoot was my mentor from YouTube Next Up, that week-long creator camp I attended. Uh So I already knew him. I'd spent a week like um, learning from him and filming with him before and so could feel really comfortable. But yeah, if if it wasn't him, I don't know how I'd feel. (laughs) That's so cool. Do you think you're doing more projects like that? Uh, Maybe if they come up, I might be interested in it because, I don't know, I think it's a good thing to step out of your comfort zone, you know? And actually, you know what? Maybe that could be another whole episode talking about your comfort zone. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. A really good one. Let's table any more talk on that and we'll save it for there. (laughs) So in summary, you had a good week then. Yes, in summary, I had a good week. Um, Been slightly sick, which is why my voice might sound a bit strange and why poor Femme will have to edit out some coughs. But (laughs) aside from that, it's been good. Awesome. So I know that today's topic is about workflow and I'd be interested to hear from you because you've been doing YouTubing for quite a while. Is it three years now? Is that right? You're like three and a half. Oh my gosh. Okay. So even longer than I thought. And surely when it comes to editing and that kind of stuff, your workflow must have improved over those three and a half years. So do you want to share a little bit about that and about your workflow when it comes to editing? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that in general, the longer you've been doing something, the more your workflow is going to improve with it. So it's not just video editing that I've had that happen with. It's with any of my work and design, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that it's not just my video editing workflow that's improved over the years. I think no matter what you do, the more experience you have with it, the faster you're going to get at doing it and the more efficient. And, you know, you're going to learn those little things along the way, Um, whether you intend to or not. I think that that just happens. Um, that has definitely been the case for me in my video editing. I didn't intend to like seek out ways to edit faster or whatever, but ways have just developed over time. Um, for example, I have a plain, what I call like a plain template file saved that I just duplicate and start from every time I go to edit a new video. And it already has the composition set up at the right size and frame rate. It's got my intro and my outro in it. So I'm not having to go find those files and put them in each time. Um, It just speed things up to have that start already done for me. I think that's what I've tried to do is automate things, I suppose, wherever possible or like have them already done because I know they're going to be the same every time. Then editing itself. uh, I watched this really handy video from uh, a YouTuber and general creative person that we both know and love, Levi Allen. He made a video about how to edit faster in Premiere Pro and I watched it because I was like, oh, I use that. I could pick up some tricks of how to edit faster. And he talked about two specific keys that completely changed my editing, like way I edit. And that seems amazing that two keys can make such a difference, but they do. And so I'm going to link that video in the show notes if anyone else edits videos and perhaps doesn't know about the Q and W keys. You know what I'm talking about if you do know them. Yeah, you should go and watch that because it's been amazing. You've been making videos recently for work. What have you been using to edit them in? 
Yeah, so I've been using a tool called ScreenFlow. Ah, right. And the main reason I've been using that is because I'm not really having to do any sort of motion graphics and I'm mostly doing screen recorded style videos. So like I just record what I'm doing on my screen and kind of put it all together, add some extra like zooming and whatever. And ScreenFlow is like a really great entry level tool to do that in. So that's mostly what I have been using and I've also been using it to record my voiceovers because we have a a script that sort of goes with the visuals and I am this is this is a very me thing though I'm disappointed to admit that I despite creating 25 of those videos I did not create a template for myself no (laughs) but this is this is me I'm very like to me in my mind, and I know this is not necessarily true, but like the effort and time required to create a template for something, for me, I'm just like, oh, whatever, like I already know how to do it like from scratch or I'll just duplicate this file and then change the things to what I need it to be. And I'm good at doing that really quickly, but I know that it's not as quick as it could be if I made a template for myself. So that's just like a mental barrier that I have for some reason. Like, I, I assume for you when you had when you did those templates for your YouTube videos, you put aside time to like actually create those, right? Or did they kind of just evolve and appear suddenly? First of all, fam, I cannot believe that you did not make a template for all those videos that you <laughs> I made. I know. It's very embarrassing. I'm ashamed of it. I really should have done that. It probably would have made my life so much easier this past two, three months. It definitely would have. But I understand too what you mean about taking the time to do that you know, like basically going backwards so that you can then move forwards faster. Um, at the time, you don't want to do that going backwards part, but honestly, it will help you to yeah. take the time to do that. Um, it's the same with file organization and stuff, you know, taking the time to actually put files in the right place and not just save them like, oh, tidy it up later. Oh, when I'm you're so quickly. bad at that. And yeah. I always have the intention to be good at it. Like whenever I create a new folder for something, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be super clean and make sure I name everything and, you know, do my versioning right. Like version A, version B, it's always just a mess. <laughs> Despite the good intentions, it's always just like version 725. <laughs> I would say that actually like file organization and knowing exactly where to find something has been an, a pretty big thing for me in speeding up my workflow. But anyway, that's not what you asked about. Um, You asked about (laughs) my template for my YouTube videos. For that, I sort of realized that I was doing these same few steps every single time I started a file. And so the next time I finished a video, I just deleted all of the footage from it, apart from the intro and the end. Mm -hmm. And I saved that as a separate plain file. And so it was as simple as taking something I already had and... And saving it from there. So now do you just duplicate that file when you want to create yep. a new one? No, I just duplicate that and use that as a starting point rather than going opening Premiere and going new file. You know, weirdly, now that I think about it, there is one project that I do do that for. Oh yeah, what is it? And that is when I publish uh, Product Design Weekly, which is a newsletter that we at Atomic run. And to publish that to the site... I need to do some like 
coding. <laughs> this shows how much I know about code. Uh, I need to do a little bit of coding in Sublime Text. And me being not like, like coding is not a strong point for me. Uh, I have this template that's all set up and I will, it, it's a file and I just duplicate it, rename it to the correct date or, or whatever the file naming system is and then just update the little bits that need updating and that way everything else stays clean and I know that it's all correct because it's already got all the proper tags and everything's all set up nicely in there and so then I just need to swap out the information and then basically push it live. Nice yeah that sounds very efficient. Yeah but I I should do that more for like my design stuff or the video stuff that I do. I don't know for some reason I just don't. Maybe you can convince me. You, you're already convincing me, actually. <laughs> yeah, templating is something that I also use in web design. Um, as we've talked about before, I'm an in-house designer. So I, when I design websites, I'm designing for the same brand, same company, um, every time I start a new project. So I'm not, bas- I'm not starting from scratch. I already know some things. Like I know the textiles of our site, for example. I know the grid system we use. And so I have a file with uh, – a plain artboard and sketch set up at the right size that's got like a heading and some body copy in it and it's got our header and footer on it which always stay the same across all the sites I design and I can use that again duplicate that artboard and use as my starting point when at the wireframing stage of a new project. You're so efficient (laughs) I'm I'm learning a lot from this. Also, I I can imagine that based on what you're telling me that you're probably also the type of person who's really good at creating and using layer styles and paragraph styles and and text styles etc which is something that I am notoriously terrible at doing like I I barely create presets for myself like it's something I should do for this podcast actually editing this podcast every time I edit this I like manually go and set up all the presets no 68 episodes in I should probably just save the presets so I can apply it each time (laughs) Oh, Femme, yes, please, please do that for the sake of your sanity. And then, yeah, please. (laughs) So, yeah, this episode is as much for me as it is for someone listening who also has a terrible workflow. Well, I don't know. I think it's it's not necessarily terrible because there's definitely things that I know that I should be making more use of. Like I use my mouse wall. I use a trackpad, you know, I mean the cursor in general Mm -hmm. way more than I should. Um, A lot of people are much more adept than me about navigating around the computer using just the keyboard. Uh, I'm getting better at that. That's slowly working its way into my process, but I'm finding it difficult. But I know it's going to be faster, so I'm I'm trying to remember to do that. You know, like um, command tab to change programs rather than clicking down the bottom of the dock. So what are some ways, like, we've, like, hated on your workflow a bit here, so I want to talk about some good <laughs> points. What are some things you have to share that are ways you've sped up your workflow or, like, made it more efficient um, as you've, you know, learned over the years? Okay, so I do have some things to share. It's not all terrible. Uh, so design-wise, I mostly use Sketch, and basically I am just an avid copy-paster or duplicator type of person, and so... If I don't need to create something completely from scratch, then I'll just copy and paste it. Whether that be an artboard, you know, I'll just duplicate things and then change what I need to change. Uh, I'm also pretty religious about saving colors. So in Sketch, you can have uh, document colors and you can save colors to there that you can then reuse throughout. I used to not use that. And every time I would use like the eyedropper tool to then go and find the color I want, but 
that is a very slow way of doing that. And so I now just save the colors that I need. So that could be like the brand colors or whatever that you're using quite a lot throughout the project. And then I can just reference them pretty quickly. Can I tell you quickly about a really awesome plugin that I think you'll like to do with colors? Yes. It's called Sketch Palette. And basically you save all your colors for your brand as global colors or whatever, or you save them in Sketch. You use this plugin and then you can in- install it in Sketch and all of your colors will appear across any new document that you ever open from then on. Stop. Yeah. It's amazing. So that's really handy for in-house design because obviously we're working with the same brand, same color palette. So every time I open Sketch, all my colors are there waiting for me. That does sound super useful. I'll link you to it straight after this and we'll link in the show notes for anyone listening. Awesome. I've also tried in the past a couple of Sketch plugins that sort of let you pull in random user data, you know, like avatars for people and stuff like that which sometimes is useful if you're in the you know sort of early stages and just need some placeholder stuff I found that to be yeah useful. there's one that does placeholder text as well too mm-hmm. right? yeah yeah so that's super useful and I'm a big fan of like using dummy text or placeholder text and images just so that I can keep working and keep that momentum going instead of having to like wait for final copy or wait for the final images to come through like you know I would rather keep that momentum and keep moving forward and so I just use dummy data basically and you know you can get that through some sketch plugins you can also go to there's a few websites that I like to use one of them is uifaces.com oh I've heard of this um uh, one of my well the other designer at work is is on that and he said he finds his face popping up all over the place oh really that's hilarious. Yeah, there's UI faces, which is really good. There's also one called Diverse UI. So that's sort of, you know, a good collection of diverse people where you can get avatars. And there's also a website, I think it's called Random User, and that provides a random avatar and also provides a random name, email, birthday, address, phone number, and password. So if you're doing like, you know, UX design or product design or something and need like user data sort of more than just an avatar that's a really good website to go to that's cool that sounds really handy and the last one that I use quite often is there's a website I think it's called placeholder.it I'll find it but it basically lets you create a placeholder image to whatever dimensions you want so like if you need a placeholder image that's 400 by 200 you can type that into these fields and it will spit out that image at that particular dimension and then you can just drop that into wherever you need it so you know that oh there's going to be an image there at that size but you know you don't know what it is yet so it's just a placeholder cool that does sound handy I love all those little things where especially in the beginning stages of your process like in the wireframing or you know any stage really before you get to the final details you don't want to be spending time on that sort of thing you know that's just not important at all so having things to speed that up is awesome Lastly, I've got one more to add. Probably one of my favorite and most used little sort of tools is a extension, I guess. It's called SIP and it lives in your, if you're a Mac, it lives in your top sort of menu toolbar and it's basically like a global color picker. So that's really useful, say, if I'm designing in Sketch and want to grab a color from another program 
or another tool or a window or something. So something outside of Sketch, I can just use that to grab the hex code and it saves them for you as well. So I, I go back and use that all the time you know, to see previous colors that I've used and reuse them. It's quite useful. Yeah, I love that too. Ever since you told me about it, I've been a big fan. <laughs> what about you? Because I'm sure your sketch slash design workflow is much more sophisticated than mine. So, Well, I don't know, to be honest, because I find with well, when I used Photoshop, I was much more like about trying to use actions and things like that to speed things up because a lot of things were much slower. And if you do use Photoshop, I want to tell you about one plugin called Guide Guide that I absolutely just, I forgot, like the other day I did a fresh install of Photoshop on my new little MacBook. The other day, it was like six months ago, but whatever. Um, (laughs) And I forgot that that's not actually part of Photoshop and I think it's unusable without it. And so, yeah, that's that's awesome. Definitely get that plugin if you are a Photoshop user. What does it do? Oh yeah, I should probably explain that. Basically, it makes guides for you. Like you can say, I want... 12 columns, they need to be um, 20 pixels wide or whatever and this much gap between them, this much from the sides, and it'll make the guides for you. Or you can just use it, click one button, it puts a guide right in the middle of your canvas, which is really handy for aligning things. In Sketch, that's all built into the layout, but it's not in Photoshop, as far as I'm aware anyway. Um, It wasn't when I first got started using this plugin, and so I've stuck with it from then on. Many, many years ago. Nice. In Sketch, though, I don't find the need to use as many plugins. I think because the program itself is just in general more, well, it's better designed for doing the kind of design work that I do. And so, it, you mm-hmm. know, it, it already mm-hmm. speeds up my workflow just using Sketch in general. And so if you're a digital designer and you haven't tried it yet, then I would definitely recommend you checking it out. They're not a sponsor, but, you know, we both love them. <laughs> and we use it a lot. Yeah. Uh, So the sketch palette is one that I use though. And then I also use a content generator one, um, like you were talking about, Femme, that Mm -hmm. puts in lorem ipsum dummy text for you. But those are pretty much the only plugins I use. Um, I became a big fan of like the align tools, use them all the time for arranging things. I used to be the type of person who would drag something and wait for the little like smart guide to show up when I knew it was in line. And then I discovered the Align tools and was like, oh, obviously, this is much better. <laughs> yeah, there's one um, one little keyboard shortcut I use all the time. I don't even know what it is. It's so intuitive to me. I just press it. I think it's the option, the alt, alt option mm-hmm. key. When you, when you have one element selected, if you press that, it shows you the pixel distance between that element and the ones next to it or around oh, cool. it. Yeah, yeah. And I use that all the time to make sure I've got even spacing. I, I now use the distribute yes. like, uh, functionality as well. But if I am sort of maybe doing the first one, so like first want to know which distance I actually want between things, you know, maybe I want that to be exactly five pixels or 20 pixels, then I kind of use that to make sure that they're exactly the, the distance away from each other that I want. Well, I want to know then, like we're talking about all these tools and like ways we speed up our process. How did you learn these? Um, did you go seek out like how to make your sketch workflow faster or, you know, your design workflow faster or did it just happen? Good question. I think most of it just happened. When I was originally learning sketch, I did refer to the sort of documentation a lot at the start, which does have some handy tips and tricks, I suppose. But then also I just learnt either by myself or watching others 
like I'll see someone else do something and I'll be like, oh my gosh, how did you do that? You know, that's always really enlightening and then they can teach that to you and that's always super helpful. And the other way, which I'm kind of ashamed to say, is I will complain about something online and then someone else will be like, oh, don't worry, there's this thing you can do to make it easier or to fix it. And then I'll be like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. So basically I'm I'm lazy and I don't typically go and like search for ways to like I don't think I've ever typed in how to improve my sketch workflow or something if I'm really you know struggling with something in particular like there's something that I'm constantly doing over and over again and repeating that and it's quite tedious and I'm getting frustrated with how long that's taking then I might go out and and figure out how I could potentially improve that but in general no it's just by trial and error mostly figuring it out on my own. Yeah, same for me pretty much. I, I never in, intend to look for it, but I'm always at the same time on the lookout. If someone mm. else mentions something, I'll always wanted to give it a go. I, I saw a video on the Envision blog the other day about some short keys, I think, for aligning things in Sketch. So I'm going to give that a watch and see because I love my align tools so much. Maybe I can do it from my keyboard instead. Yeah. <laughs> you probably can. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be surprised. So, there's probably a lot of people listening to this now who are like, duh, you guys, like, get on board. But it's, I find it difficult to work new things in as a habit, you know, and like to remember that. Especially that, keyboard shortcuts, I find. Yes, and like to remember they exist and to use them instead. Yeah, because there's so many things that I do in Sketch that I like will go to the the menus at the top and press the particular command that does that. But I'm Sure. There's always a keyboard shortcut. I'm just too lazy to learn them. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like there's only so many keyboard shortcuts my brain can hold. <laughs> right. Yeah, that is also true. And it's also, you know, if you suddenly switch to another tool and then you have to relearn the shortcuts all over again, that can also be quite frustrating. I think that um, it, it is important to learn these things, though, and like to to make your workflow more efficient because then it gets out of the way almost and you're not being held up by yourself, you know, throughout your process and you can work quickly and get all your ideas out faster so that you don't lose any of them, you know, essentially, or you can get through that shitty ideas phase faster and get to the good stuff. Yeah, I I agree. And like, what about sort of more analog type things? Like when you're creating wireframes and stuff, for me, I sort of go into it with the or I remind myself that they're allowed to be messy and they're allowed to be rough and it's about being quick and just getting ideas down what about you are you sort of same yeah, or yeah, do you I'm definitely the same there um but I actually I'm not the same because I don't even have to remind myself <laughs> <laughs> I just that's just what I know wireframing to be is messy when I see these little perfect wireframes drawn on grid paper I'm like oh my gosh, like, are you creating a piece of art or are you just trying to get an idea down? Yeah. <laughs> That's really harsh and sassy. But <laughs> no. It's just what I think. It's true. But also I will sometimes even sort of take a photo of a sketch or, or something that I've sort of drawn or written down and then bring that into my digital space and use that as placeholder or just to get an idea out or something. And I think that that's definitely, for, for me, That's that helps me speed up my workflow because I can just – draw it quickly or write it quickly or whatever it is, take a photo, get it online and start sort of molding it into place as opposed to first spending like two hours digitally designing it before I even know if I want to commit to it, you know? Yeah, I think this ties in with our episode last week about 
why we need more crappy work. Mm. We need more just general scrappiness in our process, I think, yeah. in order to generate good ideas. So instead of spending time on taking the perfect image when you're not yet sure if that's going to be the right thing for the space, just take snap quick one on your phone like you talked about and be okay with having things a bit messy and like use your imagination to see where it could lead um, in the end. And that can be difficult sometimes when you're sharing with others, but it's about getting your team on board, I think. Like yeah, my team understand my wireframes because I'm like, okay, if it's a gray box and it's got like two diagonal lines through it, that means it's an image. Um, and so you can imagine that there will be a photo going there or maybe it's a photo of the app or whatever, and it's not actually a gray box. And people can easily make that leap, especially when they get used to it after a few times. Yeah, and in regards to sort of being messy and not having to be pixel perfect, you know, straight from the beginning and incorporating that in our workflow, I, I do that with my writing too. So when I'm writing, I'm consciously writing with the intention of it being a draft. You know, like I'm not writing thinking, oh, all of this is like, this is the blog post that I'm writing right now and there's going to be no edits or whatever. I'm very, very rough when I begin writing an article. It's literally bullet points. So I'll just write like all these bullet points with ideas and sentences and they may not flow chronologically, but they're all ideas that I have that I want to contribute to the article. And that helps me speed up my thinking and sort of my thought process and like, oh, what I'm going to include in this article, what are the takeaways going to be? I can sort of start seeing those form and then I'll go back and put it all together. So I think for me that's faster than like sitting down with the pressure of trying to write something perfect straight away. That's awesome. That's definitely something I need to learn in my writing process because I find myself getting hung up and like going over and over the first paragraph. Right, yeah. Um, and unable to move forward until that's perfect, yep. which is completely the opposite approach I take to my design <laughs> work where I'm completely fine with being messy. Yeah. So I don't know why I've got that hang up. I think it's because I'm quite confident in my design abilities and I'm not at all confident in my writing abilities. Right. And so I think that perhaps we've talked about this before about perfection and how when you're getting started, you want everything to be perfect because you want to make sure you're like living up to the people that you're learning from or seeing around you or whatever. And I think for me, it's the same with writing. Um, I write something and I'm like, that doesn't sound like it would be a blog post. Let me correct that, you know. And really, like you said, I should be focusing on getting my ideas out and planning in that way. Yeah, like that might sound longer to people. Like to some people, they might hear that as, oh, well, that's two tasks. That's like writing your ideas down and then forming them together. So doesn't that take longer? But no, it's actually so much more helpful and beneficial because doing that first bit of getting all your ideas down prepares you better for the second bit. So for me, it it's made it faster. It used to take me like a week to, to get an article out and now I can do it in about two days so yeah awesome. it's definitely better is that something that um I don't know how'd you get into doing that did you find to start with that you were struggling with that rewriting and and editing as you went and how did you get out of it I suppose is what I'm asking yeah I was I definitely went into it thinking that everything I wrote was going to be the final thing and I had to somehow magically have fleshed out already the entire article in my head and I also saw this video by Sean McCabe. He once recorded, screen recorded himself writing a blog post. And that to me was so fascinating and it stuck with me in my mind. You know, you think that when people sit down and write something, they like write flawlessly. But 
they don't. And he went through this whole process of just writing bullet points and writing headings and takeaways. And then it all sort of expanded and and fleshed out from there. And so I was like, well, I'm going to try that approach as well. And so that's kind of what I've been doing. And it's been working really well for me. That's cool. Maybe we should uh, try to find that video and link it in the show notes because I want to see it too. Yeah, it, it must be floating around. If it is, I will put it in the show notes. I think it's only a few minutes long, so it's definitely worth the watch. Cool. Well, I feel like, as per usual, when we start these topics, as we talk about them, we realize that actually we could go on forever about them. <laughs> but I just want to bring in some of our listeners' thoughts on this. Is that cool with you, Fee? Yeah, please. So Nani says, I use a Trello Chrome extension called Pomelo that tracks tasks using the Pomodoro technique and it's literally changed my work. Tracking tasks is an interesting one. Um, That's something that I do in my bullet journal. And we've had a couple of other tweets about this as well, about um, like project management Mm -hmm. and yeah, collaborating with people seems to be that that, that's an area that a lot of people can easily speed up your workflow is, is in that stage of things. Yeah, I think those tools kind of help to hold you accountable, right? Yeah, totally. And also, like Nani's saying, I think, is that the this tool tracks what you're doing for you so that you don't have to then input it into a, a time tracking right. sheet or anything like right. that. Katarzyna says that she uses Canbo HQ every day and it allows her to improve her work management and collaborate with the team remotely. And that's like part of the... Um, What's what I've just, this just totally gone on my mind. Um, agile way of working. Um, I'm pretty sure. Like when you have cards for tasks yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Like Trello. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. Finding, finding tools like that to help you do it is, is really important. I think. Interestingly, Monica says that she keeps a daily work log so she can look back at the week and see what worked and what didn't before she plans the next. And I'm assuming that this is kept analog in an analog style, so she writes it herself. She didn't mention any tools. But, I mean, do you use tools to keep track of your workflow, Charlie, or do you write it down? Like, for me, I kind of have a manual to-do list that's, like, on a physical piece of paper that I write down and check off so I can kind of keep track of where I'm at in the week. Are you the same, or do you rely on a digital tool for that? No, yeah, I use my bullet journal, like I was saying before. But what's interesting here is I think Monica's saying that she – logs like how she's working I guess the way she says to see what worked and what didn't Mm. like I only log my tasks like I log what I need to do rather than how I'm doing it you know so that's really interesting and um, I think that's really good to be aware of your workflow and how you're working because that's how you're going to find areas for improvement right yeah and quite often we don't keep track of our progress for me I'll I'll mark if something's completed or or not completed, but I don't really keep track of progress. And I think there's always a lot to learn from that as well and how you're progressing on something. So that's a good tip for me, actually. Yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting. Thanks, Monica. Maripilli said she uses an app called Dubsado and she uses the workflow features to keep herself organized with projects that she writes down main steps and little tasks on it. And once she finishes something, the next one automatically pops up. So... That's pretty cool. means you don't have to, when you finish a task, think about what to do Yeah, that is really cool. I assume that requires some sort of prioritization in terms of you setting the priority. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, but that sounds really nice. If it's automated, it's less to think about. You get more time to spend on focusing on what the task actually is. Yeah, I think that's um, how we could summarize this chat about workflow, actually, is that you want to find ways to get 
the technology and get that like tedious stuff out of the way so that you can spend more time actually being creative. So whether that's templates or, you know, tools that tell you what task is coming next or whatever, um, or, you know, like your color picker tool, easy, easy ways to copy and paste across, um, one program to another so that you don't actually have to go in and do it physically. All those little things are going to speed up in a way that means you can focus more on the creativity. Yeah, which is just what we want, right? More time to focus on the creativity. Well, it seems like a good note to end on. Any last thoughts on workflow to share, Fem? I don't think so. I think we've pretty much summed it up. I just recommend like finding whatever works for you. Like every person is different in terms of what's going to be best for your workflow. And so don't get too hung up on what the professionals say and what they advise. Just find out whatever works best for you and your workflow and just adopt that. Yeah, that's a really good point to note, actually, is that there isn't one correct workflow. You know, some of the things we've talked about in this episode might not work for you even though they do for us, you know, and that's totally okay because we've got different ways of working and we're different people. Mm -hmm. And so you shouldn't feel, I don't know, bad or like you're not a proper designer because of that or whatever. Just do whatever works for you because that's the most important thing. Cool. So where can people go to find more about the podcast? If you head to designlife.fm, you can listen to all of our other episodes and also there's a link on there to subscribe to us on iTunes and to our newsletter, which gets sent out every Monday morning with the new episode, so you can be the first one to listen to it and know that it's come out. And if you want to participate in these Twitter conversations, you can find us on Twitter. We are at DesignLifeFM. Good chat, Fem. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. We made it. We made it.